Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So, 1 Kings chapter number 19, you don't have to help me preach this this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. 1 Kings 19, I'm going to start reading with verse 1. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 8, and you ain't even ready. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Had a bad week, backslid, now I'm in the NIV. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. Now, let me ask you this. You don't know if, like, if we get to moving, you don't know how to hit me with the gospel licks, do you? You don't know, do you? Okay, that's fine. I was going to say, if, if you if you step here the whole time, we could get, no, nah, no, nah, that's white. That's white. That's white. <laughs> Thank you. You sit down. Give Gentry a hand. Hallelujah. Gentry's an old Bible college student of mine and lives in Dalton, Georgia, and we're praying him to Knoxville, Tennessee. Glory to God. Glory to God. I feel a prophetic word right now. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done. That's Pentecostal's favorite word, Jezebel. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. If you're not sure what's going on, uh, Ahab or Elijah had just had a showdown with 450 prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel. And he, they all killed themselves and he uh, called down fire from heaven and it licked it up. And now Jezebel is saying, I heard what you did to Baal's prophets, but I'm going to do what you, what you did to them. I'm going to do to you by this time tomorrow. He had just the most amazing and mountaintop experience with God you could possibly have. He called down fire from heaven, and now he's under a threat from Jezebel. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, or the King James Bible, the right Bible says a juniper tree. And he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over the hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Eat a second time, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Watch. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I've, I've shared with you before uh, my love-hate relationship with social media. Last night, I was a, 
sat down to type a couple of loose ends to my message, and for whatever reason, some psychotic thought hit me, and I thought, I'll get on Twitter for a few minutes just to see what's going on. And about 15 minutes in, I thought, I, I can't do this. This is not good for my mental health. This is not good for my spirit, because Twitter is just everybody yelling at each other. All right. And Facebook is everybody's an expert on everything. Right. Didn't finish high school, but are experts in foreign policy. And then Instagram's just everybody lying to each other. Living my best life. Hashtag living my best life. And uh, on Instagram, from time to time, I'll do these question and answer things. Have y'all seen the question and answer things? Y'all won't believe how many people have unfollowed me because of some of my answers. It gets rowdy. It gets rowdy. You should see my DMs. But every time I do one of these question and answer things, this has always been peculiar to me, always been peculiar to me. Every time I do these question and answer things, every single time, without fail, without exception, somebody, usually more than one person, will send me a question and they'll say, what do I do about my depression and my anxiety? What do I do about the silent battle that I'm fighting that nobody knows about? And usually it's young people. 16, 17, 18 years old. It is amazing that in America, we are the wealthiest country in the world and lead the world in clinically diagnosed depression. How can we have so much and still be so unhappy? Are y'all with me this morning? It's because if we really got honest about it, every single one of us have some secret battles that we're fighting that we have to put the church face over and don't want to talk to nobody about. I, I normally, whenever people ask me, what do I do about my depression? What do I do about this battle? I normally answer, I have, I, it's really hard to answer that question. What do I do about my depression on Instagram? It's like Instagram counseling. You can't do that. But I talk to them and I'll say, well, sometimes there's, sometimes there's a chemical depression that comes because there's, your brain's not naturally producing some of the chemicals it needs to be in a state of balance. And so sometimes you have to go medically support that for a time till your brain uh, gets to a place where it can medicate that and take care of that itself. But sometimes there's not a chemical depression. Sometimes there's just experiential depression. Sometimes it means you've just been through so much. Am I talking to anybody that's ever been through anything? Sometimes it's because you've been through just so much that you're tired and you're wore out and you don't want to go on and you're struggling to wake up and you're struggling to go to work. I want to talk to you this morning about those silent pressures that we don't really tell anybody about but that God knows about. I want to talk. It's like the cook that's in the kitchen that's busy feeding everybody else and you forget to eat yourself. Oh, God, I need somebody to help me preach this this morning. Quit being white on me. I need somebody to help me preach this morning. Are you with me? I'm talking about when you are absolutely wore out and exhausted because there's pressure that's building up on the inside of you because all of your life you're taking this in. You got the rent problems and you got the marriage problems and you got the kid problems and you got the job problems and then I thought I'd be further on in life than I am right now and then I thought I'd have more money than this. I thought I'd have a better retirement by now. My credit score is struggling and then you have nobody else that you go to. So there's silent pressure. No matter how much water you put through a pipe, it'll be fine as long as it keeps getting out. But if you block it up, it will pop over time. That's where we find this great prophet named Elijah. 
He just had one of the most amazing biblical miracles you will ever read, calling down fire from heaven on 450 prophets, standing on top of Carmel, declaring, our God is the one true and living God, and then with a word from a woman, not afraid of 450 men, but one woman. And all the brothers said, yeah, that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> Get an emotional frying pan upside your head. One woman issues a threat, and now he goes from standing on top of the mountain to being suicidal. Y'all don't like that. that Y'all don't like to talk. We don't like to talk plain in church, right? We just like to say, I know it's tough living in West Knoxville, going to work every day. I know it's tough, but God going to bring you through. No, there's real issues that real people are wrestling with that we like to gloss over and say something to this effect. Well, just get plugged into a small group, bless God, and all your problems will be solved. And then be a greeter in church, and then I don't know why you're not happy. Because there's pressures building up on the inside. There was something that happened a couple of months ago that absolutely rocked me to my core. Rocked me to my core. There was a uh, the an organization that I'm a part of, a church planning organization. I'm a part of. I got a saw an email that this young pastor, lovely wife, beautiful children. He's probably younger than me if I had my guess. Uh, just a couple of months ago, had planted a church I believe in California. They wake up and he's killed himself. He's killed himself. A pastor. The year before that, there were seven pastors that I knew of that killed themselves, right? Because of pressure that can't get out. Can't get out. Winning in public. Church was growing. Family was beautiful. Money in the bank. Winning in public, but dying in private. You know, some scholars believe that even the Apostle Paul was suicidal. How's that? Do you remember in Philippians chapter number one, Paul is sitting in prison? Think about it. The preacher is in jail. You have to know at some point the thought crossed his mind. I didn't think it would be like this. I didn't see this coming. I need somebody to help me preach this one. I didn't expect, I mean, after all, I'm obeying God as best as I know how, and I'm doing everything I believe that God's calling me to do. I never expected it to end up here. That's why Paul pins in first in the first chapter of Philippians, I have a desire to die and just go be with Jesus because it's far better. We read it as something that's uh, so sentimental and loving. I desire to depart and be with Christ. No, we say, I want to die. Because I've had enough of obeying God and still not having a way to get free from my silent depression and all of this stuff that I'm going through. And I ain't got nobody to talk to about because I'm the apostle and I got to give everybody the answers. Because let's be honest, if something happens to you, your family falls apart. God, oh my, I need, listen, don't, don't be, don't be, I, I'm trying to tell you about it. Yep. Yep, that's good. Yep. No, I'm talking about people that are gripped by pressure. By pressure. And church teaches us to fake our way through it. Say, no, I'm good. How you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. Glory to God. You ever seen, how you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. You should watch them after they take 15 more steps. How you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. He's like, yeah. Blessed. Yeah, I'm, 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 I guess I'm blessed. 
Yeah, I'm blessed. I mean, there's, there's a lot right, but there's a lot wrong too. Right? And we teach people, just focus on what's right. And in church, we have a way of telling people to deny their emotions and suppress their feelings. And that's fine, but over time, boom, pops. It's like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. At some point, it's going to pop up. How, how do people get married? How do people stay married for 20 years? And then all of a sudden, a woman decides that she's a lesbian and she's leaving her husband. How does that happen? Because it was boiling underneath the surface for 20 years and nobody will talk to her about her silent pain and the pressure and the struggle and the conflict going on on the inside of her. And 20 years later, boom, there's an explosion. And people know, how, where did that come from? It happened 20 years ago, but we wouldn't let nobody talk about it. Huh? You remember the man in the in the Gadarenes in Mark chapter number five? The man called Legion. Your Bible said out a legion of demons. You've got to think about this guy. You got to think about this guy. When Jesus comes and delivers him, what was on the inside of him went and got into an entire herd of swine. And that entire herd of swine went and killed themselves. An entire herd of swine could not handle what was happening inside of one man. Almighty. So what's really going on on the inside that you've not talked to God about yet? It's those silent pressures. How am I going to pay for my kids to go to college? How are we going to retire and have any money left in the bank? My daughter's not serving God the way she needs to be serving God. My marriage is not where it needs to be. I'm unhappy in my job. I'm unhappy in my life. I want a different house. I want a different I'm silent pressure. Is anybody with me? I'm, you're making me work this morning. You with me? A whole herd of swine couldn't handle what was going on on the inside of one person. Hmm? I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it with my mom. My mom, it would take four people to replace her. And I wonder sometimes, how do you do it? And there will be glimpses. Right? You know when you're, when you're a kid, you grow up and you, you think your parents are bionic. Right? They're Superman and Superwoman. But when you get older... You start seeing some of the cracks in the armor. And you start thinking, oh, you really are human. We all human. Right? I know you a Christian, but you a man too. <laughs> I know you a woman of God. I know you got a prophet, prophetess anointing, but you also a woman. And there are certain things. <laughs> Say, whoa, glory. Kick the hair back. Queen. Uh, glory to God. <laughs> because pressure over time, you know what it does? It wears you out. Wears you out. And then when you get tired, you don't start seeing correctly. You think things are dead that are not really dead. That's why you don't make decisions when you're tired. That's why you don't get divorced when you're tired. That's why you don't quit your job when you're tired. That's why you don't beat the kids when you're tired. That's why you don't because you're not seeing things right. It's because I've seen people come to me and they'll say, my marriage is dead. It's over. I say, it's not dead. It's not over. You just wore out. You just wore out. I've had parents tell me, if I would have known then what I know now, I never would have had kids. Well, don't tell the kids that. <laughs> Young parents with one child are like, hey, man, preach, brother, you don't even know yet. Right? <laughs> 
Because when you're tired, you don't see things correctly. Right? And then when you're a Christian, on top of being empty, you feel guilty for being empty. Uh, there's so much fake holiness going on. You're like, oh, that's good. I'm believing that's going to minister to somebody. Glory to God. Huh? So much fake holiness going on. Right? Well, not me, brother. I'm word of faith. I speak to the mountain. Yeah. You ever rebuke the mountain and it rebuke you right back? Because I have. You ever felt like you were on top of the mountain one day and felt like the mountain was on top of you the next day? Because I have. Trying to peel back that church mask, that cute church mask, right? That Knoxville Southern culture, glory to God, love Jesus church mask, and say, what's really going on? It's building up. Because as a Christian, not only do you get wore out, you get guilt, guilted for feeling that way. And so you can never give your feelings a voice because we say that's a lack of faith, right? Well, you got to be strong. And you got to be tough, and you got to be responsible, and you got to be an adult. The best way to handle the pressure is not to ignore it, but to walk through it and process it correctly. There are sometimes you've got to have some people in your life. It might just be one or two. It can't be everybody, but you got to have one or two people in your life that you can call and say, "I need to talk to you for about an hour because I got some stuff I got to get out of me. Because if I don't get this out of me, I'm." Going to make some decisions that I don't need to make. Quit patty caking at me and tell me if you know what I'm talking about. You got to have one or two people that you can call and say, I hope you're ready because all of this stuff that's building up on the inside of me, I got to get it out or I'm going to bust. I'm going to, I've been through so much, I'm going to bust. I have seen people that don't know how to process stress and pressure and depression. They don't know how to process it right. I have seen people age in five years, it looks like they've aged 20. Because it takes a toll on them. I've seen people get so gripped by pressure, their eyebrows fall out and their hair falls out and they gain weight and they can't sleep but two or three hours at night and they don't want to talk to nobody. Because I'm a believer, glory to God. You're going to believe yourself into an early grave. And that's what we see with Elijah. Sitting up under a tree saying, God, kill me. talked to a friend this week we've been friends for 20 years 20 years he's always burned for God he's always burned passionately for God he's always been gripped been gripped with ministry down in his belly he wanted to do something for God I called him this week he's one of the most talented anointed people I've ever met in my life talked to him this week and he said I don't even know if I'm called to do this anymore think it's hard for you, you should be a leader because you can't talk to your people. You've got to find somebody else because if you talk to them, they will view you differently. We're talking real plain this morning because if you really knew what was going on in the lives of leaders and their struggles and their inner conflicts, you would never look at them the same again. Because you want to see, you want to be around the man of God, you want to see the God part, not the man part. Oh, man, alive. I've, I know stuff in church that if I told you, you'd quit serving Jesus completely. 
I know stuff about some of your favorite preachers that if you ever knew, you would just give up on God and backslide and become an atheist. Right? Because they're a man of God. And what gives God the most glory is not when he uses us in the absence of our weaknesses. What gives God the most glory is when he can see all the stuff going on on the inside of us and use us in spite of our weaknesses. Is anybody thankful that God can still use you in spite of all the junk that's going on on the inside of you? Is anybody thankful that God can still use you in spite of all the stuff that you don't have together? Huh? <laughs> My kids fight from time to time. Right? Huh? I ain't getting no amens. So holy up in here, I don't even belong in here. Right? My house ain't clean all the time. Oh, my God. There's probably cold french fries up under one of the seats in my car from where my son was throwing them to the front that I hadn't picked out yet. <laughs> right? You want to see the God part, not the man part. Because when you see people preaching and you see them operating under the anointing, you think, wow, they've got it made. Wow, it would be great to be them. What you don't understand about leaders is they are anointed to preach it. They're not anointed to live it. They've got to dig it out just like you do. So you have this man of God that God used mightily on top of the mountain. And now we get a glimpse into the vulnerability of his soul that after God used him, he says, I want to die. I want to die. You have no idea how lonely it is to step up and preach to 10,000 people and have an altar call full of people and go all alone to your hotel room and think, I don't think I'm called to do this. What am I doing? That was horrible. That was horrific. That's hmm? what we see Elijah on top of a mountain. We saw the God part. And now we get to see the man part. And no matter how anointed you are, you're still a human. Huh? No matter how anointed you are, you're still a human. With human struggles and human tendencies and human thinking and human impulses and human instincts. And what do you do, Elijah, when you get to the place where you say, God, I just want you to kill me. Because I've had enough. I've had enough of carrying all of this around and having to smile at everybody at church and small group and serve day and worship Wednesday. And all the other stuff when they don't have a clue what's going on. So Elijah goes and hides under a tree, falls asleep. And your Bible says, God wakes him up. I'm going to end here in just a minute. Y'all okay? This is why I can't be a series preacher away with that. So don't ever expect that. Can we set some expectations now? Right, if you're like looking for the cute graphics on the thing, and this, I'm doing a 72 week series on the body of Christ, it's not gonna happen. I knew a man one time preached 72 weeks on the word of. Yeah, imagine what it was like around week 43. Like, dear God, <laughs> so Elijah's hiding. Standing on a mountain so bold, glory to God, that the God 
answer, let the true and living God answer by fire. And now he's hiding under a bush. From a mountain to hiding under a bush. Isn't that crazy? From a mountain to hiding up under a bush. God, I just want you to kill me. And then God, he falls asleep. God wakes him up and says, here's some meat and some bread. Eat it. Elijah eats it, falls back to sleep. God wakes him up a second time. And your Bible says the second time that the angel of the Lord is cooking something. (laughs) Because no matter what you're going through, you have to know God is cooking something up. No. No, 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 you ain't with me. I said no matter what you're going through, no matter how tired you are, you have to know at the end of the day, God is cooking something up. And then God tells him, I want you to eat this second meal because the reason you're going to eat this second meal is because the journey ahead of you is too great. Watch what I got to say to you right here. This is going to be my last point. I'm going to let you go. God made him eat twice. The first meal that he ate, why did God make him eat twice? You can't just read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible. Why did God make him eat twice? The reason he made him eat the first time was because that was for everything he had been through that's because of where he came from because sometimes when you've been through a lot you just got to find a place where you can heal God almighty I wish I had somebody I've tried to teach you how to respond to preaching are y'all with me this morning because sometimes when you've been through a lot God's got to get you away to a place where he can just feed you and you can heal there are some times in your life where you have to get selfish There are some times in your life where you say, you know what? I'm cutting this off and I'm cutting that off and I'm hitting time out on everything because I need God to feed me and get me to the place where I need to be because of everything that I've been through. But the second time that he ate, it wasn't because of where he was came from. It's because of where he was going. And God said, I'm going to feed you something supernatural because the journey that's in front of you is too great for you. And when he ate what God provided, your Bible says that he went 40 days and 40 nights in the strength that God gave him. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's a time in your life where you got to get along with God and God's got to heal you and God's got to do work. There are times in your life where you don't need to do anything. You don't need to serve. You don't need to lay hands. You don't need to prophesy. You don't need to lead a small group. You don't need to teach Bible study. You just need to go get before God and say, God, I've been through something, and I need you. Whatever you've been cooking up, I need you to feed it to me. I'm going to take this season of my life, and I'm going to be selfish because if you go down, everybody else around you goes down. Are you hearing me? There are some times you got to say, watch, sometimes you got to look at people and say, No. I've had people come up to me before, Pastor, can you pray for me? No. Not right now. Hit me back in two weeks. I should be fine. But now? No. Sometimes you got to get selfish. Stand up on your feet. Sometimes you got to get selfish. Say, no. I've poured out so much that i got to find a place where God can pour back into me. It's what he means when it says, if I encourage someone, I put my courage in them. But after I take my courage out of me and put it in you, then I need somebody to encourage me. 
It's like when Jesus was walking down the road and the Bible says that the lady touched him and he said, I perceive virtues gone out of me. It's what it means when you encourage someone, you're taking what you have and you're pouring it into somebody else. And if you're not careful, you will get into a place where you're constantly pouring yourself out over and over because the kids need me and mama needs me and my sister needs me and my uncle needs me and my work needs me and of course my husband needs me and then the church needs me and I'm pouring out all over the place and you got to find a time you got to find a way to say no because God wants to feed me first because of what I came through and then after I get healed He's got something for me to do. And he's going to so divinely provide for me that I can run in the strength of what he gives me. So listen to me, church. This is what I came to tell you. No matter what you are going through, God is cooking up something. Your Bible said when he woke up, he saw the angel making him some food. Because God's preparing something to give you that'll get you where you need to be. When you've poured out over and over and over and over. You know they say, bring that down just a touch. You know, they say preaching a 45-minute sermon is equivalent to an eight-hour workday. You know, that's why preachers have some of the shortest lifespans out of anybody. Because you're not just working physically. You're working mentally. You're working emotionally. You're working spiritually. You're pouring everything out that you got. That's why Jesus did not pray before he ministered. He went and prayed after he ministered. He broke bread, fed 5,000, then went alone into a mountain. Because after I've poured out at that level, I've got to go let God pour back into me. And I believe there's some people in here this morning, I felt the Holy Ghost tell me, that you've been pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And you've got to find a place in God where he can pour back into you. Are you still with me, Hope Unlimited? Where life has come and jerked me every which away and my heart's broken and I've been disappointed and I've been upset and I don't know how. I don't know how I can do everything I can, I've got to do. I've heard my mom tell my niece before. I've heard her tell her because my niece, she's young. She's 19, 20 years old. She said, you couldn't be me. She wasn't being funny. You couldn't be me. Because i got to pour out in so many ways and in so many areas. It'd take ten of you to be one of me. That's what she's told her. Because once you pour out and pour out and pour out, if you don't stop and let God pour back into you, you're going to find yourself, Elijah, spent and trying, listen, trying to lead on empty. And I believe there's some people trying to lead on empty and God wants to fill you back up this morning are you with me church thank you for listening to this week's message if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give please visit hopeunlimited.church give 
To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.